Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in your presence, we come to you asking, beseeching you that you would speak to us by your word. I pray, Father, that through this vision of heaven and of the final state, that we would be given strength and hope and courage to persevere, to hold on to you in faith, that we would be given perspective, that our afflictions would be relativized in light of the glories which will one day be revealed. I pray that this vision you've given us And by your spirit would produce these fruits in our hearts. I pray, Father, that the children this morning would recognize that this is for them. They wouldn't distract their parents, but would be devoted to your word, just as young Jeremiah was and young John. I pray for parents that they too would be attentive to your word, um, opening up to do all that we can to receive it into our hearts deep. I pray, Father, for anyone who's visiting us here this morning, that though they may not have heard these things before, that they would receive them in faith. We ask all of these things in Jesus Christ's name. And all who agree, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 22 this morning, starting in verse 1. This is our final sermon in our sermon series called The Grand Finale. We're going way off into the future to see what will finally one day be utterly and totally and physically true for us. Now we've asked the question throughout this series, is this vision of the grand finale of the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem, is this literal or is this figurative? Well, it's definitely figurative. There are types and there are shadows and there are deeper significances in each of these revelations. However, whether it is to be received literally or not, I don't believe is the the right question. The Bible gives it to us as a vision and you should therefore visualize it, imagine it in your mind's eye. Okay, so that's how you would receive a sermon like this. But also I want you to understand that These things that we see here this morning and that we're going to see are spiritually already true in your life today. You already access the new Jerusalem. We are accessing the new Jerusalem spiritually right now, Hebrews chapter 12. But these things will one day, either when you die or when Jesus returns, be physically true. That's one thing I want you to see to help you imagine this with me. Jesus was raised up with a physical human body. Amen? And he went to a place, and he went to prepare a place that is in tuned with, in some way, his physical body. Where Jesus is now, he is dwelling physically. If you went there, you would see him. You could touch him, and you could speak to him. And that place is a real physical place. It's not a figurative place. Whether it's far off or through the, uh, a particular dimension, we're not exactly sure. We do know that on the second day of creation, God established the firmament to divide the waters below from the waters above. And that through that firmament, through that expanse, is the heavenlies. A physical place where Jesus dwells, what we call heaven, and what more properly we call the new Jerusalem. 
And this vision gives us what it looks like. Now, I do think that it's trying to describe to us what it looks like and what it's like using symbolic language because I think there's a lot of things we can't possibly understand under the sun as we are now, under on this side of, of history. But I do think whatever we receive from this vision will be true and will make much sense when we get there. Amen? So I would like you to visualize this with me this morning. <clears throat> you have to be attentive and you have to engage your imagination. But we're going forward in time to the moment when the veil is lifted. This is the moment in the wedding when the veil is lifted, when the firmament is removed and the waters above and the waters below unite, where heaven and earth merge. This is to the moment where we will, either after your death or when heaven and earth merge, the end of human history, we will see Jesus face to face. Say that with me, face to face. That means your face seeing his face right now we see him through faith but then we will see him through sight through immortal glorified eyeballs whatever those are like amen they're great whatever they are no more glasses for sure let's look at verse one then the angel showed me the river of the water of life brightest crystal flowing from the throne of god and of the lamb Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, and with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp, light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Now, we examine the new heavens and the new earth. We examine the new Jerusalem from a distance. You will remember last week we saw that it is a radiating city, a celestial city, a light that shines, that attracts like moths to flame the nations. And we are ourselves attracted to it even to this day. And we even looked at the fortifications, the walls and the gates and asked the question, how can anyone enter? And we said, it's but by the blood of the lamb. Amen. But what we're going to do today in our mind's eye, we're going to pilgrimage together. We're going to travel together into the city. And I do believe, and I want you to process this and and don't be too dogmatic about all of this, but I believe this is probably the closest thing we can imagine To what it's like to die and go to heaven. This is the closest thing we can imagine that God has given us to what life will be like when heaven comes down. So as we approach, we notice all around us billions, billions walking with us. Can you see it in your mind's eye? Can you do this with me this morning? Billions all around us. We're not alone. We don't enter individually. We individually trust in Christ, but we are together the bride of Christ. Amen? And there are billions walking with us, approaching the new Jerusalem. And we can speak to them. You know, there might be some, some Toltecs there, some, some, some uh, Scythians, some futuristic peoples that we don't know anything about. But we can all speak to each other. 
See, because in this place there is nothing accursed. There's no effects of the curse remaining. And the division of languages happened at the Tower of Babel on account of the, man, of, the, of the sin of man. And so therefore we conclude that in the new heavens and the new earth and the final consummation of all things, there will be one language. And we can speak to each other. However, there will still be multiple nations. John says there are nations streaming to Christ now. And even then, the nations will continue to bring their glory, which means their worship, into the heavenly city. It seems as though in the consummation of all things, there will still be nations streaming in, making pilgrimages from wherever into the heavenly city, the capital city of the new heavens and the new earth. And we'll hear instruments Just as they pilgrimaged, just as they made procession into the temple, into Jerusalem, uh, playing on harps and lyres, we will hear instruments from all the various nations and cultures and ethnic groups from all over the world. We will hear dobros and banjos and uh, mouth harps and tambourines and harpsichords and ancient instruments and futuristic instruments that we've never even heard of before, all playing, praising the Lamb. And singing with all of our various voices, with all the variety that God has created in in this world. And people will be different. There will still be some national distinctions, it seems, even, even in heaven. That's why it says the nations continue to bring their glory in. There will certainly be uh, differences in appearance, different skin tones, because God loves Beauty and variety and pizzazz. And there will be different customs and and different ways, uh, uh, even in the new heavens and the new earth, I believe. But we will all be pilgriming together, bringing our glories into the new Jerusalem. But there will be no racial vainglory or racial pride. There will only be appreciation of the beauty and the diversity that God has established now and then. Amen? And as we are walking, we notice that the ground is sloped upward. This is a holy hill. This is Mount Zion. Amen? You know, Adam and Eve descended this hill, having been kicked out of the garden. But now we, 180 degrees, ascend this hill. Amen? This is the same hill uh, in type and shadow that the saints in the Old Testament ascended as they went to, the, to Jerusalem. And to the temple to experience the festivals. We now ascend the ultimate, the consummation of this holy hill. And and church, Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that when you pray, you ascend that hill. And when we gather and worship together, we ascend that hill. Up, up, up into the holy of holies. But today we do that spiritually. Then it seems, as far as I can tell, that we will do so physically. And we notice that this mountain is the mountain that was made not with human hands. Amen. This is the mountain that Daniel chapter 2 prophesies would come to earth in the time of the Romans and would hit the earth, shattering the kingdoms of this world and would expand to be a mountain which would fill the entirety of the earth. And as we walk upward, we're reminded that in Scripture, mountains are altars. You really could say altars are mountains. Think with me. What is an altar? God said, when you make an altar, you are to take stones. Don't you cut on those stones. You don't don't decide how to come to God. You don't prepare the way. I prepare the way. So when you stack up a pile of stones, don't get fancy with it. Just stack some stones in a pile. But you can see that an altar is a little mini mountain. That's what what it is. And atop that mountain, what is there but fire and smoke? 
burning up the sacrifice. Sound familiar? Mount Sinai was an altar, and God's fire and smoke was lit atop the mountain, but we were not allowed to ascend. Calvary was a mountain where God's wrath was poured out, sacrificing Jesus Christ, the Lamb, so that we could ascend the mountain. Before the sacrifice of Christ, no one was allowed to enter this city. No one was allowed to ascend the hill. But because the altar has been laid and the sacrifice made, and Christ Jesus having done all that is necessary for us to be saved, we can go boldly to the throne, straight up the hill. Amen? That's what we do in prayer. That's what we do in worship. And I do believe that's what we will do one day physically. That is the holy hill. Now, as we approach the city... We can see off in the distance the walls. Amen? Massive walls, huge fortifications. And we're strengthened by that because we know we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken. And that these walls are impregnable, impenetrable. No one can separate you from the love of God. Not angels above, not devils below, not even your own sins. These walls cannot be penetrated. They are absolutely secure. And we have no fear that we won't be admitted, you know, because his name is on our foreheads. He has stamped us. He has claimed us. We are his bond slaves. And we know that when we appear before the angel who guards the pearl gate, they will see his name on our foreheads. We identify with him. And not only his name, but the name of the city is written on us as well. And we hold the covenant documents signed in blood and our name is in the book of life. We were born from that city, were we not? Were you born from above? Is not that holy city your mother? Paul says in the book of Galatians. We're just going home. We were born there spiritually. Some of us many years ago. Some of us recently. And now we finally just return. When you die, you return home. Really. It's, where, it's from where you were born. And one day we will, we will pilgrimage into that holy city Physically and ultimately. <clears throat> and we get, as we get closer to the walls, we see that there is hospitality in this kingdom. Because there's gates. And the gates are always open, Christ Church. You can always access spiritually. They're open all day long and there's never night. But they are angels guarding those gates. You can read that, and we talked about that before. And how can you make it past an angel with a fiery sword? Well, it's only because Jesus Christ took that fiery sword and woke up alive on the other side. And it's because his blood is upon us, upon our doorsteps. We have been sprinkled by his blood so that the angel identifies us and receives us in. When you die, you pass through. And you go to the gate. And you note that the gate is, they're not pearly gates. Can you imagine this in your mind's eye? I think we're supposed to. It's not a gate made of a bunch of string of pearls. It's, it, it's more technically a gate made out of a pearl. A giant pearl. A giant oyster, right? A giant pearl. We're, of course, reminded that Jesus Christ is the pearl of, of great price, Right? But above the pearl is written the names of, on our side of the gate, on our side of the wall, three fishermen. I find that very fascinating. In the Old Testament, God always called apostles. 
Uh, he called prophets, I should say, uh, to shepherd his people. He called them shepherds. And you remember Amos was a shepherd and, and various other prophets were shepherds. But in the New Testament, by and large, he calls fishermen because he's going to send them out to the great sea of Gentiles and, and get them to fish us up out of there. So as we walk to this giant pearl, reminding ourselves of the sea, we see the names of fishermen above who began that long path of fishing Gentiles out of the sea. And we thank God because he fished us out, amen, with his giant gospel dragnet. But how do you open up a pearl gate? Well, it's round, isn't it? You have to roll it out of the way. That's right. You have to roll that pearl out of the way. And you, of course, know what that means, don't you? It is only because the stone was rolled away that we can ever enter into this place. And we enter into the giant pearl. And it takes us a little while, honestly, to make it through the wall because the wall is incredibly thick. So that for a time period, from this side to that side, you're in the walls itself. And the walls are described as, as sparkling like the, like the sunlight as it bounces off of the oceans, I, I really do think we are to imagine watery walls shining with the celestial glory. Not the sun, but the Shekinah glory of God which comes from the throne downtown. So that when you die, I do believe what happens is you're passing through what the Bible calls the firmament or the expanse to the waters above. And I do believe that's language that's trying to help us understand things that are very difficult to understand, right? <laughs> but we pass through this watery, shiny wall. It's radiating with the glory which comes from downtown. And we're continued to be attracted through the wall to downtown, to the town center. And this, town, this downtown's a nice downtown. But as we're passing through the walls, you have to understand there's a lot of different colors because the walls are made out of 12 different gemstones. Right? And, no, and translators aren't exactly sure what these gemstones are. But they are the precise gemstones that were in the breastplate of the high priest. So that while we are in the wall, it's as though we are in the bosom of the high priest. You see, the 12 stones on his chest that he wore, that he represented, that he brought into the Holy of Holies... We pass through a wall made out of those same gemstones so that we are being brought through into the holy city by the high priest Jesus himself. And we are there close to his heart in his bosom. I think that's what that means, at least in part. At least in part. Maybe in thousands of years, Christian uh, scholars will come up with even more understanding of what all this means. But it means that at least. Amen? That we are represented by him and that we are close to him and that we are in his heart as we pass through the, the walls. But we finally, and are you imagining with me, Christ Church? See, we're heading downtown, you know. The whole point is to see Jesus, right? Who makes all of these other things pale in comparison. But, but it takes a while because Jesus is a man. And, and, and there's a long line, right? There's a long line. Trillions of people that want to see him, want to embrace him, want to bow down before him to thank him with gratitude. And so we have to wait in line, but there's plenty to do while we wait in line. Plenty of people to see and plenty of people to meet, right? Who would you like to meet? Abraham, right? Your grandparents, right? Maybe your future 
children, <laughs> maybe a great ancestor from 2,000 years ago, plenty of people to talk to and, to and to tell stories and to testify of the glory of God as you make your way through the gates. And as you're walking, you see that you're walking on streets of gold. Amen? You see, in, in this world, there is no longer scarcity. You know, what's scarce right now? Besides eggs, right? <laughs> in this world, we live in it with scarcity. But oxygen is free, kind of, usually, because it's not scarce. Ocean water is free if you want it, because it's not scarce. But there, nothing is scarce. Gold, and this, by the way, through the, uh, revealed through the Greek, is what's called best gold. It's the most purified, the most refined gold that was used only for the inside of the temple. As you made your way from the city into the temple, you would go buy uh, decent gold, pretty good gold, and then best gold to show the progress. Not only as you enter the kingdom of God, but as you progress in heaven and progress in future. And so these streets are made out of what we today think of as something scarce. Gold is not scarce in heaven. So much so that they make the streets out of it. And this street, just so you understand, is not like a freeway. That doesn't sound good, right? It's not a six lane. Uh, it's not an interstate. This is like a street in the first century. This would be more like what we would think of as a town square or a market. You know, in, in ancient times, the street was where you, uh, you lived. It was where you, you sold and bought. It's where the kids played. This is closer to something like Moncus Park, but with a giant town square covered in gold. Giant, and I mean giant. It's got to fit a lot of people. <laughs> and as you walk, moving closer and closer into the downtown, you see that on both sides of the, of the park, of the Golden Streets, and all around the Golden Streets, are uh, a forest of trees. And these trees are what? It's the tree of life. You see, there was, many years ago, just one of them. But since Jesus Christ, who is the one who died on the tree and became the tree of life himself, now the tree of life has sprouted into a forest so that there is enough tree of life for all of us. And it grows in the gutter. Like the way weeds grow here, the tree of life grows there. And its fruit, the Bible says, blooms and blossoms every single month. And there's a variety each month. Isn't that something? And that fruit is there for us to, to nourish ourselves on. You could do that right now. Did you know that? You could taste of the tree of life who is Jesus Christ right now and receive his goodness and receive his nourishment and his forgiveness and his glory right now. But there we will participate in that to the fullest, whatever this means. But I think at least this, it means this, that in heaven, there is no longer any potential. You know how someone says to you, you know, you've got great potential. But then there's a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of waiting before the actuality meets up with the potentiality, if it ever does. But there in heaven, fruit trees blossom with fruit every month. Right? Every month. You don't plant a seed and then wait. There's no longer potentiality. It's all actuality. It's all the fullest that's something else, I think. But it also, it, this helps us to understand that in heaven, there are streets. That means there's mobility, right? We are not just orbs floating in a nowhere place, but we are humans, amen? And we will always be humans. And there are months 
which means there are seasons. And I told you three or four Sundays ago that the, the Bible describes the moon as forever. So there's still a moon and there's, and there's still a sun, I believe, but it's outside of the heavenly Jerusalem. The inside the heavenly Jerusalem, there's no need for a sun because God is the light thereof. Amen. But there's still time going by. We will, always, we will always experience linear time. We're not God. We're not above time. So it will be very similar, I think, in some ways to what we know now and how we experience it now. And we know that these particular uh, tree, this tree of life, the leaves of it are for the healing of the nations. Now and then perfectly. Amen? So you can pray to be healed. And as we continue to walk, we see that the streets of gold, and we're almost downtown, so continue to imagine. We're almost to the best part. Around the tree of life and and throughout the golden uh, town square, there is a river of life flowing right through the middle of the town square. That's something. Just as the waters flowed out of Eden to water the whole earth, Just as the waters of the the bronze laver in the temple washed and cleansed the high priest as he entered into the holy, holy of holies. Just as the water flowed from the Gion spring under the temple to wash away the blood and spread all out into Jerusalem. Just as this picture has always been true, water will flow through the streets of the new Jerusalem outward to the whole universe. And if we follow this water upstream, drinking from it any time we would like, amen, And you could drink from it today. You could drink from the waters of life today. As we follow this stream upward, it dawns on us what this picture really is. Who is the river of life, Christ Church? It's Jesus. That's right. And Jesus said, if you ask of me, I'll give you to drink of this water and you'll never thirst again. In fact, that water will become inside of you a spring of eternal life. He said, John baptized with water, but that's a type and a shadow. I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You see, this city is a city of the baptized, those who have been baptized by water, but also those who have been baptized by the Spirit. Amen. And he calls us inward. And as we continue to approach the the downtown region, the town square, we can see off in the distance the great throne. We sang about the throne quite a bit today. And we see the lightning and we see the thunder radiating with all the colors of the rainbow, Ezekiel says. An image that would terrify anyone with common sense. The same vision that Adam and Eve ran from, we now run to. Amen, Christ Church? Because right aside the throne is another throne, the throne of the Lamb. Of course, he's not still on the cross, but he's called the Lamb because he did once die on the cross. And there he is at the center of town awaiting us. And I do believe, Christ Church... Though we are weak in our flesh and we are frail, and it is nearly, well, it is near impossible to imagine what that will be like. And I think we all should probably repent that our hearts don't even hardly feel it. Right? Right? Our hearts barely, we, our hearts will be bursting with joy there, but now we're, our flesh is so weak, isn't it? But if you can imagine... Being with your Savior, the veil lifted. Not just in prayer, but I'm talking in dialogue, right? Face to face. And that will be, of course, the culmination of all things. Now, Jesus told us, and this is just something to think on. Jesus told us that in that time, some of us would rule over one city. 
And others would rule over many cities. And some of us would rule over things. If you are faithful in the little things, he who is faithful in the little things will be given much. And so I don't think we stay there forever. That's the pilgrimage. We return back home to our city, to our cities. And where are those cities? Well, the song today said, world's unknown, right? Because there's still work to do. But having fellowshiped with Christ and, meet, and, and having met him face to face, we then go off to continue to expand his kingdom in a new universe with no obstacles and no enemies and no delays and no sin and no tears and no afflictions. Amen? All right, let's all stand as the musicians come forward. <clears throat> Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we long to one day see you face to face. But until then, would you continue to stir up faith in our hearts and invite us to pray to you and to speak to you and to worship you in spirit and in truth today. We long for the day when we will be with you face to face where there will no longer be any apathy or sin or any difficulties But in the fullness of our salvation, we will experience joy forever with you. In Jesus Christ's name and all who agree, would you say amen? Amen. Amen.